96 uh, verses 1 to 13. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name, proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvellous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord all your families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due to his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes, he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. And Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Rosie, for reading God's word to us and uh, Hilary for uh, leading us in prayers of intercession. I'm not sure whether to say thank you to Sue, though, for leading us in uh, our vote this morning, because I am a big bounty fan. Um, and uh, my time is, is early in the church, and it was going so well the first few weeks, well, from my humble, sober judgment, uh, following the reading, um, until you voted about bounty. I'm gutted in one sense. In another sense, I'm absolutely delighted because you can give me all your bounty. And um, on Facebook this week, I uh, put up about that very article. I know there's a lot going on in the world and much more serious stuff. And I will sometimes put up 
the serious stuff, but I'll also put up the not-so-serious stuff. And I put up about bounty. I had 78 comments. <laughs> it's the most popular debate I've ever encountered. And um, Paul Davidson, thank you so much for my bounty this morning. Every Sunday is a bounty Sunday. Just letting you know that. Right, okay. Um, let's move on. We are going... If you can put the slide on, please, Dave. That would be great straight away. Thank you. Uh, we're going to be thinking uh, about uh, worship over the next few weeks. And if you were at the church weekend away, you would have seen uh, this threefold diagram of up and in and out. The sense of focusing upon us as a church in a worshipful way. Hearts, minds lifted up to the Lord. And uh, the inward focus is about us as a community, a fellowship, and the outward focus is about mission. Over the last few weeks, we've been thinking about what it means to be together as God's people, together in Christ. But from today until Christmas, we'll be going uh, on thinking about uh, what it means to worship uh, as God's people, worship uh, together. And these themes, worship is why we gather, worship next week, uh, thinking about Remembrance Sunday, worship in a broken world, and worship being rooted in the cross, worship as an outpouring of love, worship in the power of the Spirit, worship among the nations, worship and a future hope, worship Christ the newborn King on Christmas Day. I'm really excited about Christmas, is it too early? We could have a vote upon that next week, we'll see. But uh, worship Christ, the King of Kings. What a great way to begin the new year. So that's where we're going over the next uh, few weeks. Let me pray for us as we hear God's word in relation to worship is why we gather. Let's pray. Lord, as we heard your word read to us, we join with the psalmist singing a new song. This is the day that you have made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. You are the God who is the same yesterday, today and forevermore. And yet you are the God who breaks in with new things for us, which can sometimes be scary. And yet, Lord, you're not a God that is remote or stagnant, dormant, inactive. You are the God who is living and present here and active among us. And in you, we live and move and have our being. So we open our hearts and minds towards what is new with a new song in our heart. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> um, I, I felt that it was a little bit courageous to, in my early days to think about a sermon series on worship because worship is a little bit of a contentious subject 
And uh, some people like contemporary music, others like traditional and hymns. Some people like more songs in a service, other people like fewer songs. Some people want to put their hands in the air and others put their hands in their pockets. Uh, Some people, I'm not sure many Baptists, like chanting. Any Baptists like chanting? I do, actually, but that's another matter. We can debate that. And there's one or two over there. Some people like worship to be about simplicity and order, um, not chaos and confusion. Others like worship to be about the noise level and the louder the better. Some people like quiet and calm. Some people consider preaching to be a part of worship, others perhaps not so. Or communion being the centerpiece, others perhaps not so. Some people it's about getting worship perfectly perfect. Others it's about worship being raw and uh, just as it is, honest and authentic. For some people worship is about the heart, for others it's about the head, for others still don't think about this too long, it's about the gut. (laughs) It's interesting worship, you know, I don't know how you're going to talk about this service today afterwards as you go out the door, Um, but some of these phrases are not uncommon to church life. Did you get much out of it this morning? I didn't. I really felt the spirit move in church this morning. I even took my hand out of my pocket. I didn't. Uh. Sometimes we reflect on worship by way of what we feel. I didn't feel anything. I wonder, is worship dependent upon how we feel or is it about who God is? And I've also got a very deep theological question for you all. Did Jesus ever play a musical instrument? Did he? Anyone know? Because I actually don't. Um, So did Jesus ever play a musical instrument? Um, In many churches, there have been this sort of worship wars thing going on. And uh, there's a bit of church shopping out there. I'm going to go to the church down the road because it's probably a bit more vibrant. Or I'm going to go to this church because it just feels better or it feels more vibrant. It's always a dependent degree of perspective. (laughs) In his book, For All God's Worth, True True Worship and the Calling of the Church, Tom Wright says this, Worship is the human activity of giving God the glory. Worship is the human activity of giving God the glory. And worship forms the central task of the church. Great quotes, but I love this quote even more, which is not from Tom Wright. I actually don't know who it's from, but I love it. True worship doesn't put on a show or make a fuss. True worship isn't forced, isn't half-hearted, doesn't keep looking at its watch. Wow doesn't worry what the person in the next seat may be doing. True worship is open to God, adoring God, waiting for God, trusting God, even in the dark. I speak Jesus over you. 
I wonder what you consider worship to be. I want to just share five brief, five? Oh my goodness, you're looking at your watch now. Uh, Five very brief things that are a sort of an attempt to introduce worship to you. Worship is a lifestyle. Romans 12, 1 to 3 is all about worship being the whole of our lives, everything we do. I love the talk that Sue gave earlier. You know, every aspect, every action, every attitude in home, in work, in neighborhood, and in church is what I would describe as an orientation towards God. We use the word orientation for all sorts of different things in our world today, but an orientation towards God in everything we do. But I do want to focus these five points on what does it mean when we gather here at SBC on a Sunday morning? What goes on? One of my major challenges in the early weeks was which seat to sit in. Because I was worried I might be sitting in someone's seat who have sat there for many, many years. What happens when we come into this building? What happens when we gather? What happens when you see familiar faces and also new faces? What goes on right now? That's what this is about. So the first point is we worship in a sacred place. Jesus said, for where two or three gather in my name, there I am. And if you look back into the Old Testament, the way in which uh, Israel, the people of God, worshipped, well, they met with God in different ways. One or two special people met with God in what's called a theophany, the pillar of cloud and smoke or the burning bush where God is somehow manifested in nature, a cloud, a bush, and other forms as well, to meet with God. But it was only reserved for a few. And then you've got temple worship and the incredible way and the ornate way in which a temple was created. And you went from one section to another. And the further you went into the temple, the less people were allowed in there until the priests were allowed into the Holy of Holies. And the Holy of Holies was a strange place in the temple because it was actually pitch black. Worshipping in pitch black because there was this view in Judaism that actually God cannot be experienced or seen in brightness and light because the glory of God needs to be dimmed because it's so, he's so holy. Wow. But only a few could enter into the holy of holies, into the, dare I say it, dark presence of God whose light makes dark light. But in the Holy of Holies, there was a dark place. (laughs) But in Psalm 122, sorry, yeah, 122, uh, it says, the psalmist says, let's go to the house of the Lord. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. And yet, it was restrictive and limiting. And it was only through the priests that people were actually really having access to God. But Jesus comes and in John 1.14, he tabernacles, he temples among us, he dwells among us. And this is for all people. And Jesus says later in John 2, I will destroy the temple and in three days I will raise it up. Which is another way of him saying, actually the way to know and meet with God is through me. And when Jesus talks about being the light of the world, he's actually saying, 
in the Holy of Holies, which was a dark place where God's kind of presence was experienced by only a few. Now I'm the light of the world, which is shining radiant for all people to access God through me. You don't have to go through the senior minister of Shirley Baptist Church to meet with God. <laughs> you meet with God in a sacred place here, together as his people. Where two or three are gathered, there I am. So, the question, do you have a holy expectation to encounter Jesus here? And I forgot the word, today. Secondly, we worship to seek God. Amos 5 verse 4 says, the Lord says, seek me and live. I was... um, Traveling across here this morning, and sometimes I, well, I, I did the Lectio 365 thing at home this morning, good boy that I am, and then on the way here was praying for the service. And uh, what came across to me was the phrase in John 10, 10, where it says that the devil comes to, see, to, to steal and to destroy and to kill, and Jesus says, I've come to bring life and life in all its fullness. And I was just praying through, you know, spiritual conflict, battles, and stuff like that. <laughs> and, uh, and I thought, you know what? The opposite of a life with God is obviously a life without God. But what that is, is life and death. When we worship, when we seek God, we seek God and live again. We live in a way that is the full abundance of life. That's what Jesus brings. So when we come here together as God's people in a sacred, holy place, without too much chanting, we are encountering the risen Christ in our midst. This is holy ground. But I don't know what you do in that place of holiness. Do you bow down? Stories is very small. At your feet, they bow down. In this sacred place, does, do you bend the knee? In, in this sacred place, is there praise with dancing? You do not want to see middle-aged daddy dancing. Hannah's saying, yes, no. Do you lift up your hands in prayer without anger or disputing (laughs) in Psalm 120 to 134 the pilgrim song sung or chanted en route to the temple I wonder whether you sung a worship song en route on your journey this morning eating can also be an expression of worship and reverence with God's people to seek the Lord through food is a wonderful thing To seek the Lord in song is a wonderful thing. To seek the Lord with hands raised high is a wonderful thing. To seek the Lord with knees bent down in reverence is a wonderful thing. I've got to confess, if I did that, I'd probably struggle to get back up again. But our bodies speak. You know about body language. You know about body language. I think it's like more than 70% of body language is our communication. So the way in which I move my hands right now is communicating probably a bit more. The way in which I'm annoyingly walking from side to side. A bit more than what I actually say. 
So body language counts. The question is, what does God see in your body language? How do your actions express your worship to God? And let me tell you, there's no one right way. (laughs) There's no one right way. Because it's a heartfelt thing. It's a head-honoring thing. But it is something to consider. And we worship to share the good news of salvation. Sing to the Lord a new song. Take the news of his glory to the world. This is the third point. When we come here, there is a connection between worship and mission. How we behave in here toward God should impact how we behave out there towards neighbor and friend and even the person we don't quite get on well with. There's a lot in Psalm 96 about worship and the mission of God. So much. Does worship help you to share the good news of Jesus? In the message version, there's a phrase that's used in Psalm 96 that says, God's terrible beauty makes the other gods look cheap. I love that. People in the world today are worshipping all sorts of things, but not necessarily the Lord our God, known in Jesus Christ in the power of the Spirit. And when we worship, when we lift up holy hands in prayer, when we come into a sacred place, when we kneel before the Lord perhaps, something changes. Something's renewed. Something different emerges, maybe over time, not maybe in the moment, but maybe over time to the place where we have a renewed vision for a broken world. That's worship. (laughs) This affects that. That's worship. Fourthly, we worship through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said to the Samaritan woman, God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. In the early church, of which I've spoken about a little, the format of worship may have been the continuation of the synagogue. Yesterday at my daughter's netball match, um, I was freezing yesterday morning. Uh, Went straight to my daughter's netball match, and um, you do that thing of talking to the parent next to you. What kind of conversation are you going to have? Well, she said to me, uh, oh, well, I, I wasn't at the match two weeks ago because I was at the synagogue. I'm a progressive Jew. And I thought, what's that? Actually, I did know it, but I just wanted to find out a bit more. And uh, we just talked a lot about where she worships and how she worships. And then I said, I'm a Baptist. And she went, didn't ask me anything, just walked off. <laughs> just, just a bit bland, really. No, nothing too exciting to say. But she didn't walk off, but she didn't kind of reciprocate the interest. Um, she must have thought I was a nutter. Uh, 
But the point is, in the continuation of the synagogue, worship would have included the reading of the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, the singing of Psalms, prayers, saying of the Shema, you know, the Lord your God is one, and, and, and love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. Well, when the Spirit came at Pentecost and broke into the early Christians who were probably you know, formulating the same pattern of worship from their synagogue experience as Jews, the Spirit came and did something new. It was a new song. There began Spirit-filled worship, taking the people of God into a new direction where there was a constant retelling of the Life and crucifixion and resurrection and ascension of their Lord and our Lord. A believing community centered in Christ was impacted by the breaking out of the Holy Spirit into ways that were new and courageous, wonderful, and quite frankly, more interesting than a Baptist minister with a progressive Jew. What's it mean for you this morning to be open to the Holy Spirit? Dare we have someone say, come Holy Spirit? And if so, would that make any difference at all? Because it's not just words, it's again a heart response. And then lastly, we worship with a surrendered heart. Give yourself to God. Surrender your whole being to him, says Romans 6, 13. That's what I'm going to invite you to do right now. Not talk too much. My fifth point is not talking. I mean, I can't, I'm too tempted. I've got to share you a quote. William Booth. The greatness of man's power is in the measure of his surrender. William Booth, the activist and founder of the Salvation Army, saying the greatness of a man's power is in the measure of his surrender. And I want to just qualify that a little bit and say the measure of a woman's power is in the measure of her surrender. The greatness of SBC's power, dare I say, if I can use that word, is in the measure of SBC's surrender. Part of what you're invited to this morning is to surrender to God. Surrender unhealthy ambitions. Surrender that unmet forgiveness. Surrender that critical spirit or that angry stare. Surrender that cold heart Seek God and live. Seek God and warm up spiritually. Seek God and become alive to the gentle power of the Holy Spirit. Seek God across all nations and all languages and discover that what is new is not always that scary. God is here. His presence is among us. Jesus is Lord. 
Holy Spirit, come and have your way. So I leave you with this question. What do you need to surrender to God? And most preachers are a bit too proud to say this. But when you write a sermon, you're often preaching to yourself. So I've got stuff to deal with. I need to be kneeling before the Lord. I need to surrender things to God. And I encourage each of you to join me in doing that this morning. We're going to have a couple of songs as we sort of respond to what you've heard today. And uh, there will be a couple of people to pray for you on either side of the church, not on the front, but on either side of the church. They'll have prayer badges. Or if you'd like to write a prayer into the Good Shepherd box on the other box, then you're more than welcome to write a prayer here this morning. If you want to online, just make a comment to say, I surrender before God today. Then I encourage you to do just that. But this is a time to respond to what you've heard. And what you've heard are these five things. An invitation to deepen a holy anticipation to encounter God here every Sunday. To let your actions and attitudes and reveal your heart for worship in the life you live. To give Jesus the central place in our worship and to be open to the Spirit and to surrender your love, your life to God. So we'll be led by the musicians to lead us as we respond. And if you do need to go and see your children, then I'm sure that's fine if Emma allows. Uh, but uh, please, please do that if you need to. But just for the next few minutes, this is a time to respond to what you've heard.